Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Ovon Ed, and today we're going to be talking about art in music, focusing on little Stevie Wonder and what we're calling the golden years of his career, 1972 to 1976. To join us and hash it out today, we are again joined by one of our top contributors. That's right. Where were you when I needed you most, Superwoman? You heard correct. Miss <laughs> Snaz Rap, Alexander the Great Parsons. Welcome back to the show, Miss Parsons. Oh, thank you. I love that you referred me to a Superwoman song from Stevie Wonder's yeah. album, Music and, of and, Mind. And an even <laughs> deeper cut, Miss Snaz Rap. So that's your last name backwards. For for all you Stevie Wonderheads out there, you'll know exactly what we're. I didn't referencing. realize. Yeah, I didn't realize that you were. I was like, "What's Snoz rap?" I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, Miss Snoz rap. Snoz rap. Backwards. That's that's what Parsons is backwards. Yeah, Jeez, that's that why I sense. that's that's why I opened as Ovon Ed. I'm your host, I'm... Ovon Ed. I said it really quick, so I'm clapping. I love that. <laughs> so today, guys, we're talking about Stevie Wonder, the Golden Years, 1972 to 1976. The thesis, Miss Parsons, is easy because there is no other musical icon in history that has quite changed the art form and the cultural landscape around it like Stevie Wonder. So we're gonna hash it out today. His career, it was. It took a while to frame this bad boy because Ms. Parsons has been pitching a Stevie Wonder show for a while and he's been covered. He's already been covered a lot in other shows. And I knew we had to frame it, bring it down because his career is so vast. He has mm -hmm. he has he has been starting out since he was 12. And we'll talk about that a little bit in the mm -hmm. history. So that's why I wanted to talk about what's often called his classical error. But I would argue a little more golden. The gold standard of Stevie Wonder. Everything he touched turned to gold kind of mm -hmm. thing. And that's why I wanted to talk about these specific albums at this specific time. Now, before we can discuss, of course, we all need a little background. So Stevie was born Steveland Hardaway Junkins, later legally changing his surname to Morris a bit down the road. He was born on May 13th, 1950 in Saginaw, Michigan. Primarily a musician, no surprise, he was a musical prodigy growing up, learning the piano, harmonica, and drums at a very young age, releasing his first studio album, just like I said, at the age of 12 in 1962, and that is The Jazz Soul of Little Stevie. And the rest, as they say, is history. He's gone on to make 23 studio albums, winning 25 Grammys, an Academy Award, selling over 100 million records worldwide and being inducted into the Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame, the Songwriters Hall of Fame, and of course, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, before we hash it out, we all need a little word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. 
powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life, and I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours, or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're gonna love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Okay, we're back, Miss Parsons. And before we go through the discography between 1972 and 1976, we need to give the listeners, most of you are probably familiar with Stevie Wonder Sound, but I wanted to dive in a little deeper for all you deep dive heads out there, and then we'll go through his discography. So I think the best way to start is musicianship and mm -hmm. style. And what a lot of people don't know about Stevie Wonder is that he's a multi-instrumentalist in the almost truest, most absolute form. He even plays drums on these albums. Most musicians that are multi-instrumentalists usually have their line and drums or bass or some some more complicated instruments are usually the one. Of course, he brings in, you know, session musicians for horned instruments so he may write the lines on the piano but then he'll have a performer actually come in to perform but what a lot of people don't know is like when we start with music of my mind he played literally everything except for a trombone on love having you around and a guitar on superwoman mm -hmm. he played drums he harmonica um uh piano yeah he was a prodigy as a child. And and yeah, plays everything. And for the people that maybe haven't heard these albums, have only heard maybe the 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 singles, superstition, things like that, try to explain his style if someone doesn't know like the deep cut shit, like inner vision shit. How does he make the Stevie Wonder sound? I know. That's such a good he I was trying to think about that while listening to because i knew you would probably ask me this question like <laughs> what is like his sound it is you know of course there's funk oh it's, yeah it, it's just tons of funk there's jazz there is classical elements of course like class classical music but it is like to me it's like funk soul you know they have like the funk soul genre like he's kind of almost like the king of that I think because he has his soul, his music has so much, so much compassion. His lyrics are so deep that it's like, it's not, you can't really just say funk soul. <laughs> it's This is like a genre of its own. It was really hard. For, it's hard for me to think. What would you say? Yeah, here's a poetic way I put it in terms of before I go into the just the specific genre stuff. Mm -hmm. For a man and a musician to grow up blind, I feel yes. like he sees us and sees life, especially in terms of Americana, mm -hmm. better than most, you know? Yes. He yeah. truly does have inner vision. And the way he talks about that in his lyrics, and it touches, you know, it hits your heartstrings, touches your heart, that empathy you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It is incredible to me to try to grasp the 
sheer intellect of this man that was born blind but sees the world better than most of us. He was, and the fact that he was born a black blind man and he persevered through all odds out of, because of, maybe I'm going to digress slightly, but like the fact that, I mean, I think he's talked about this too. The the fact that he's like, he is blind. He, I think he's talked about how, because he sees color and music. Like he has a chromosegia and the synesthesia where he can like feel it and sense it. Um, so that was his superpower, you know, the fact that he was, that he is blind. Um, but he did, he, he's like you said, he saw, made him see more than other people could. And when I actually give this, his style, his sound, uh, try to really give it a genre name, I kept seeing the same thing pop up and I was like, you know what? I think that is probably the best way to explain it. And that is progressive soul. So it's like like prog rock. For the soul, progressive, progressive soul, soul music, and I gotta yeah. ask this. You know, um, we've done a we've done a number of music shows together now, mm-hmm. and I I keep seeing over and over again the ones that you pitch in our pitch meetings always have the foundation of funk, like Parliament <laughs> Funkadelic kind of funk. Is that one of your favorite genres of the past? Um, I like do Parliament love... Funkadelic kind of funk, not not what probably it evolved into into the '90s and later. Oh yeah, I think so. For sure. I love Are that. Are you like, a fan of Maggot funk. Brain? Yes. Yes, I love Maggot Brain. I have a couple. Um, I love Funkadelic. I love Parliament. Um, oh, yeah. Like, I have and the them together. Parliament yeah. Funkadelic. They're all yeah, them together. I love Bootsy Collins. Like, so I always really enjoyed them. And then my, my late partner was, like, really um, well-versed in it. Like, wrote a... Like he wrote an article based that funk is like how it's like classical music. So like we used to have discussions about it and he really educated me a lot. So it's also really sentimental too for me now. I think that's a great segue to go into these albums. So the discography is Music of My Mind, Talking Book, Inner Visions, Fulfillingness's First Finale, and Songs in the Key of Life. We're going to stop we're going to start at the top with 1972's Music of My Mind, 14th studio album and what I call The Potential. So this is the mm-hmm. this marks the very first time he was given complete artistic control and freedom to make anything he wanted to make. He was there in his career. And I love this album for what the blueprint it was creating. If I was writing the story arc of these albums, this is where I saw the writing on the wall like we were getting there he was getting more mature as a as a writer as a singer and a song writer and we saw that in cuts like as already stated superwoman and uh keep on running but i think the deep cuts is where he really shines and that is on i love i love 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 every little thing about you Ugh, and girl yeah blue i this album i agree because you could tell in the other albums compared to this one you could tell he not that he was afraid to experiment but he was kind of being slightly safe right like that's why i call it the potential he wasn't he wasn't really ready to to dive into that deep end yet you start to see that in the last track evil you hear those lyrics where it's like a little taste of what you're gonna get in songs of the key of life and fulfilling fulfill, fulfillingness i know first finale tongue yeah. twister <laughs> it is it's always hard it's always hard to like feeling this is first finale feeling, yeah that's hard this is the way he he transitioned it you could see it's, it becomes more and more refined 
and this was just this was just a taste but i did this used to be one of i love this album i think this is my first vinyl i bought for myself that like ever was, ever no no no. it was a stevie wonder my first stevie oh, okay. wonder album i was, I was like was, shit that is special like first vinyl that you ever bought for yourself the first uh, vinyl I... was hotter than july but i lost that one that was the first one i got when i was a that was that one and like a uh, a wham record of course and wham stevie <laughs> that's stevie wonder and um there was another one where now i'm drawing a blank it's okay i can't even remember i'm shocked i remember the first two cds i ever bought in my life but i do not remember the first vinyl i ever bought in my life so i'm impressed um elvis costello mine is the first cds i ever bought actually for myself my own money when i was a little boy was remember the offspring it's called mm-hmm. Bad Habit was the album. Yeah, I remember and, that. And uh, the Batman Forever soundtrack with uh, oh, Seals <laughs> Kiss from a Rose. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's <laughs> fucking amazing. classic shit, you know? But <laughs> I like that. I said earlier, um, this guy's musicianship is off the charts. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, he played everything on the album except for trombone on Loving, Having You Around, a guitar and Superwoman. And knowing that and then like i i urge people just to listen to it and then go back and listen to it with that in mind because he has to write these songs in his head or write them down and then he is playing the tracks having to know where the breaks are and the changes are and the bridges are and then he overdubs them that's how he does it a lot of people um you know maybe with a lay ear lay understanding or knowledge of the industry it's like well how does one person make a song with playing all the instruments well Mm -hmm. it's literally impossible but they'll lay down a track and then they'll overdub it overdub it overdub it because of physics and things that i won't bore you to tears with there that's where the mixing and mastering comes in to make sure the levels sound good and that sounds like it's a band in one room all playing together and he's doing this and he's he's also writing the lyrics and doing the vocal performance i mean this guy is a tour de force and um, I think we I think we really see that in, in what I call the breakthrough, which is 1972, same year, mind you, Talking Book, 15th mm-hmm. studio album and probably his most, you know, in the vein of, of talking about his musicianship, probably the most profound use of the Honer Clavinet, Clavinet. And we see this with singles Superstition. I actually want to stick right here for a little bit. Superstition okay. is it's a perfect song. You know, with mm-hmm. the horn stabs, because he had to write those in, and it's it's the um, the phrasing is syncopated, so they really shine in the mix, and it's just I I think superstition could be could be released like tomorrow and still be a big fucking hit. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, this album is like this is the beginning. I don't know if you felt like you've noticed this when you've listened to his albums, but like, you know, a lot of people, it's very curated. You could tell, you could see so much that the story that he's trying to do, he always, he'll, he'll bring you down, but the next track he is like, don't be too sad. I'm going to bring you back. Peaks up. and valleys, peaks and valleys. Um, he's so brilliant at doing that to me, at least I think where you got this transition of emotions in such a subtle way. He's so good at translating the human psyche and what we go through every day. That's kind of what I was thinking the other day in my car, listening to all his tracks again in a more intellectual way. I was like, wow, yeah, he's so good at, maybe that's why I'm like, why do I always feel so happy? Like when I'm sad, I listen to Stevie Wonder, but I also get really sad, but in a really, in a way that I need to feel. Mm. Um, This album is very, very sentimental to me. I think you told me that you and I, is particularly is that is that the the track the one that makes you most emotional that's the one that makes me most emotional it, it 
it makes me um and as as is makes may me i little... ask why or is that yes, too personal? no i would love to share no i'm an open book haha <laughs> get it <laughs> <laughs> she's a talking open book talking guys. book um you'll be here all week tip your waitresses i've always i love this album so like it has to do with JD, my my late partner. Um, yeah. I think it was our sec. I love telling this story because it just showed how thoughtful he was and like honoring him. And music is like, how else can I? Someone who was such a talented musician too. He played like six instruments, and he so was, he was a multi instrumentalist, just like yeah, Steve. yeah, and just very sensitive, very amazing, like magical, beautiful human being. But like on our second date, so like we went back to his apartment, and like he's like, oh, I got. I know you said that Stevie Wonder is your favorite. So I went record shopping and I don't have any. So I got a record. And I was like, what? Ooh. Oh, my God. I was like, <laughs> what moves does this man have? <laughs> like, Legendary moves. anyone wants to get me to like adore them, that was like, that was it. So was like the in the, the morning he played, like we, we hung out, you know, I slept over it and in the morning he played it. Yeah. And it was just like one of those quiet walking around mornings I was getting ready I was like ma making breakfast or whatever and like then you and I came on and I was kind of like mm. oh this is intimate like this is a very right. like I remember he went to the bathroom and I was in the living room and he came on I was like god this it was hitting me I was like this is so this is a yeah, very like real like yeah and the timing um, of it too and the lyrics and the lyrics too like you might not always be around so like when I hear it and it was I couldn't listen to this album for like a year after he died because it was kind of like and now every time I hear it I always cry but it's such a good cry because it's like I I'm there again I remember like I'm getting a little emotional now I'm there again I'm in that apartment I remember him putting it on and the reaction and like us and then you, us later talking about how that song is like so much like we fell in love so deeply so it's really beautiful. Oh yeah, and and music I think beyond any other medium has this power. And yeah. and that power is connecting specifically connecting memories to songs mm -hmm. and even to albums. And that that's a perfect example of I think we all have that song, right? We all have that album, we all have that song that every time we listen to it, it reminds us of something or it's connected to men memory and it's it always hits us. You know, emotionally, mm -hmm. mine is David Bowie's When the World Falls Down, which oh, is nice. off of the Labyrinth soundtrack. Yes, that's such a great soundtrack. <laughs> Do you want to share you, why or not? Right, maybe You remind me of the babe. Which babe? The babe with the power. What power? Power of voodoo. Who do you do? You do. You the babe. <laughs> I, I know that whole thing. I, I memorized it as a kid. It uh, well, this one is more uh, abstract, broad, vague because it just that song reminds me just of a better time in terms of my youth mm -hmm. when things were simpler. I didn't have bills, you know. There was an innocence to my existence, and that's what always makes me tear up is mm. is thinking of a simpler time in my life, in my past, when I was just a little boy and oh, figuring out the world. Innocence. Yeah. And Steve yes, Wonder is very good at bringing out the simplicity of your emotions and the innocence. Like the core of our feelings is like love and hate and hate, love and fear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he brings that out in, in so many songs. I think that's why he is so iconic. Oh, yeah. Amen, sister. Yeah. And that's why we have singles like You Are the Sunshine of My Life and mm, Deep Cuts, Maybe yeah. Your Baby. And I think a sleeper hit on this album is Blame it on the sun. Blame it on. I agree with you. Blame it on the sun. That song is incredible. Uh, it the just, harmonies, it, the hooks, it just hits you. 
the peaks and the valleys of it. Yeah. You know. We need to look, yeah, I want to play it, but we probably can't do that on here. <laughs> we can't, oh, yeah, we get like yeah, we'll copyright get infringement. Yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll cut us off, some shit like that. But what Talking Book gave us was eventually 1973's Inner Visions. 16th studio album. People often consider this one of his magnum opuses. And this is what I'm calling in this journey of these five albums, the landing. Everything lands. But in a balanced progressive way still we got that progressive soul and we Mm -hmm. also have the rich textures of more simple popular straightforward tracks and together it's a brilliance that is inner visions now we talked about the funk we talked about the funk that you love Mm -hmm. i this is where i feel like this is probably stevie at his most funky for these five albums in mm-hmm. the best way possible and it's probably i don't know if you actually know this about me my one of my favorite genres of music of all time is not only jazz but jazz fusion that incorporates funk and r&b and rock and a lot of other elements with the foundation of kind of jazz four and the four influences and we see this everywhere in inner visions to the point where i actually thought so this is a gym of the week in the middle of the show okay herbie hancock's headhunters nice i actually thought (laughs) that he was on the fucking album and what's crazy is i had to look this up Headhunters was released the exact same year, just a few months later. So I don't, you know, because all these guys know each other, you know, yeah, and they're listening yeah. to each other at when they're doing a gig and vice versa and all these things. And there's so much cross pollination and influence and they're doing it to each other. And I couldn't help but think, like, was Herbie in the room? Like, how much influence did he have on Stevie to for him to write a lot of the tracks on Intervisions and vice versa? How much did Stevie, how much influence did Stevie have on Herbie Hancock to make Headhunters? And uh, to this day, I, I don't, if anybody knows the answer, <laughs> any of you historians out there, I would like to know. But uh, this, uh, this album brought us uh, singles like Higher Ground, later covered by Red Hot Chili Peppers, Living for the City, which I think is the sleeper hit. I love that fucking track. Don't you track. worry about a thing. And he's a Mr. Know-it-all, a little harsh criticism of, I believe, the Nixon administration at the time. Deep Cuts for me is Too High and the very funky, funky, Jesus Children of America. Mm-hmm. I actually love that goddamn song. What stands out to you, Miss Parsons? Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, don't, don't You Worry About a Thing is, I love that track so much because it always brings me up. Like it always, mm. no matter what mood I'm in, I put it on and it and I am. Uh, you're happy. You're I'm there. happy. It's a, a lovely reminder. Um, Jesus, Children of America is another one, and all all in love is fair. All in love affair is a really beautiful song. Um, I have this album on vinyl too. This is probably that's probably his most famous cover because Barbara Streisand did that to become the global oh, phenomenon yeah. that she is. Is all in love is fair. Mm. He does. He did like to do covers. I think didn't he do? Um, he did a couple Beatles covers. Well, um, I'm thinking to, of the not- people that covered his music. You know, like all the people that rose to fame and and it got so famous that people didn't even know that it yeah. was a cover. Yes, you know, yes. Um, we're gonna get into that and in some of the other songs there are so oh yeah yeah are you thinking lot. of are you thinking of pastime paradise paradise first, yeah yeah i, I post on <laughs> let's uh, let's put always... yeah <laughs> let's put a pin in that because <laughs> people are gonna your your minds will be blown 
Now, this was the same time that, well, right after the album came out, I think we have to give our listeners a little bit of a history lesson because the next two albums dramatically changed in tone and maturity. And the reason why was he got into a bad car accident. And there was a a chance he wasn't going to make it. He was actually in a coma after the car accident. It was so bad. And the story goes the myth, the legend that one of his, you know, fellow musicians that helped make, help him make intervisions was singing higher ground in his ear. And he started to tap to the rhythm. Oh, I didn't know that. And soon after he came out of the coma and the rest is again, history. Yeah. And this was even what's crazy. So right after this, he had a spiritual awakening. We, We saw hints of that, you know, where he would talk about, uh, Judeo-Christian face usually uh, Christianity mm-hmm. and how and, and his uh, portrayal of God and things like that. But it didn't really, I think, come to a significant prominence in his life until after this car accident and him thinking of his mortality, like him feeling like he got another, he got a second chance yeah, and that God saved his life to continue forward. And so mm-hmm. he continued to make, you know, he, he wanted to put that thankfulness into his music. And we hear that in 1974's Fulfilling This's first finale. Now, I would, much like I said already, you know, to me, this album is mature. When I when I got through it, I was like, what a powerful set of ballads. And I think a lot of people consider this somber or melancholy, like it's a sad album after this car accident or, or spiritual awakening. Ugh, I, I disagree. I think it's mature. That's he the first word bo- that pops in my head. On, he has boogie on reggae woman in the middle to like break it up. You know, he does that. So I mean, like he'll bring you back. Um, There's only eight, eight. No, no, no. There's 10 tracks on this one. Mine's is my sister's favorite album. Um, this is your actually, sister's favorite album? Yeah, it's my sister's favorite album. Um, she, I, I want to meet the person. That was the, that was my first thought. It was like, this is kind of a sleeper hit. It's a slow burn as an album because this is usually not everyone's favorite. But I thought, surely after a lot of listens, there, there's got to be people out there. And your, and your sister clearly is one of them. Smile, please. But my favorite is Heaven is 10 Zillion Light Years Away. So that's, that's my favorite song on the album. Again, very religious you know that one is very imagery it is very religious and like normally i was wondering if this song came out now would he be like oh he's too godly but i don't i don't think so just stevie was able like because normally if someone i'd be like oh this is very christian i don't ever feel that way with any of his his music because he does say that god is within like your own god whatever it is so and he says that on that track in in certain words, I can't verbatim remember at the moment. Um, if you put the song on, I can know. I know like every lyric to almost every <laughs> song, but like I'm not great with things on the spot sometimes. But that's okay. Do His, you have you a know, favorite th- one on this one? This one, this one was hard, honestly, because you know I didn't even know the singles on it before I re-listened to it and did the homework um, for it for the show. So the singles are "You Haven't Done Nothing" and like you just said. Boogie on Reggae Woman. Boogie on Reggae Woman I, makes total sense. It, it is an absolute banger for, yeah, this more somber, melancholy, but albeit mature album. And uh, the deep cuts for me, though, when you really get into it, is Creepin'. Ah, mm-hmm. 
love that track and uh they won't go when i go when i go that that's my other one is that yours yeah that's my other favorite on the album they won't go when i mean george michael covered that song too and i go back and forth and i will listen to that song and then steve you'll have to do like a george michael solo show because you're a george michael super fan i think this is like the second or third time you've brought him up in one of our musical shows so his voice is i mean he just had the most incredible voice and i heard him solo career or wham what was better Let's do a T-Buck tangent. Okay, okay. (laughs) That was easy. Don't need a T-Buck tangent quarter. She already knows. She 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 gave a lot of thought already. She already knew. She had that one teed up for us guys. Yeah. Now, what's great about this part of the history? Okay, Mm -hmm. let's do another history lesson. Come with me. Come with me. Is um, he had a serious talk with himself about retiring from Mm. the entire music industry but he decided to change his mind at the very last minute because well in addition to wanting to continue to make great work he also had the best compensation package he has ever had the biggest in recording deal history at the time and that was a seven-year contract for seven albums at 37 million dollars now now just to put it in perspective so when we account for f- inflation, if that deal was made today, it would be approximately worth two hundred million. Holy shit! Yes, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that so, either. Yeah, so that's why it was so. In you know, I feel like a lot of smart men and women in the room were like, we we have to not only encourage this this great man to create great music and art, but he needs to be paid for his hard work, and he needs to be given the best compensation package we can offer. And that Mm -hmm. was it. That was an incredible game changer. And again, he kept going and going and going. He actually took a year off because a lot of people see the dates and they're like 1974 to 1976. He was making an album in a year. Yes, yes, he was. But he needed a little break. He took a year off. And then he came back in 1976 with what a lot of people also consider the magnum opus. Yeah, yeah. Double LP songs and the key of life and even you know to make matters better he was like you guys waited a long time for this album here's here's a here's an additional ep of four tracks that i'm going to add to my double lp so it was a double so the package together songs in the key of life was a double lp and a four track additional ep and this was the quote-unquote end of the classical era or again what we're calling the golden era of stevie wonder and we have tracks like i wish which do you remember fucking will smith's will smith's wild wild west i feel like i can't get that song version out of my head when i I wish i wish i remember the i'm seeing the video in my head which is horrifying it was Um. a terrible movie the song was okay but the original i wish is is the goat is, yeah, is took- the the og right yeah. yeah we also have sir duke another star and ass as as far as the singles go do you have a favorite miss parsons i had a, both of the both like it's a two-track lp both of them or just like side a or like <laughs> any one of those four about. those four were the singles i wish sir duke another star and ass um as Okay. Um, okay. Why? Saturn. As um, I mean, it's about it's just a beautiful romantic song about love, like, and then you'll always love somebody, no matter like who, no matter 
what? And he just translate that so eloquently. Um, and it, it, it it's very sentimental to me too. It it's moving. Um, cause before that track, it's, if it's magic and then he goes into as, and then it goes into another star and then Saturn and sat. So Saturn is my, I love Saturn cause it takes you on to a, like a really visual journey to another place. Um, talks more is, I think this is one where it talks a lot about humanity. Maybe we're better off being somewhere else or like, like kind of like, oh, I, it's almost like the climate of the um of what's going on in the world at that time like the cultural climate international yeah you know. and all of that so he but he he was very much also an activist so oh yeah um that's something that you hear in his music and especially in this album let's talk deep cuts now so yeah a something's extra is the name of the ep if anybody is wondering that includes saturn ebony eyes all day sucker easy going evening my mama's call instrumental mm -hmm. uh he had two instrumentals on here the other one was uh contusion which i think is an is is an absolute gem of it's a killer of jazz yeah. fusion you know with this amazing guitar solo in the middle of the bridge um but the deep cuts beyond that that actually are more in song structure and have little lyrical phrasing of course has already hinted at uh, the big one we have to talk about is Pastimes Paradise. Mm -hmm. So this was later covered by Coolio. Do you, do you kids <laughs> remember him? You see, you see, you Gen Zers. And that was, uh, he changed the lyrics and created probably one of the most popular rap songs in the 90s, mm -hmm. which is Gangsta's Paradise. Yeah. Uh, and used, I didn't realize that he used the exact same melody and harmony structure for the choruses. Mm -hmm. So Pastime Paradise is you know minus the the lyric the slight lyrical changes is exactly the same and then of course the the, the rap sections is where it, it dramatically changes and the song you know you were talking about how uh, Stevie Wonder in our intro to the discussion section was also he had elements of um, there's elements of classical music in his work and what a lot of people don't know is that particular phrasing at the beginning of Pastime Paradise is actually a Bach piece that he is borrowing so he's covering Bach in this piece wow. as well. Yeah. yeah. I love I love these like little things I didn't know about. It's these little nuggets, little these fun little nuggets. fact nuggets. Yeah. Yeah, these are great. Here's another one. So probably one of my favorite tracks on the album that if you like were to Wikipedia this or whatever this kind of information, isn't she lovely is Aww. often considered a single. But the reality is at the time it was not. The only reason that it's considered that is because there were so many, you know, back in the days of radio play and things like that, there were so many DJs and so many advocates of his music that would just play Isn't She Lovely so much that it got so much airplay and it was a non-single. And so this, I'm calling this, I'm calling Isn't She Lovely Stevie Wonder's Stairway to Heaven because mm. that's what everyone, like that's probably one of the most famous Led Zeppelin pieces is Stairway to Heaven, but it was never a single. People just loved it so much and it started to get this kind of cult following that it rose to fame. And Isn't She Lovely is the exact same way. And we forget how like long these tracks are too. I remember They're listening to long. the original, yeah. the non-edited Isn't She Lovely. And it's, it's six minutes and 34 fucking seconds. Black Man is over eight minutes. Another fucking hit. Funky mm -hmm. hit. Um, so do you have any other deep cuts on here that you want to talk about? If ooh, it's magic and, and ebony eyes, those are those are the extra cuts. Are we talking about before 
or uh, I'm in, I'm including all of them. So even okay. the EP. So you can talk about um, any of them, and God, then and then I like want you the, to tell me which is your best one or favorite the, one, and, album, and or best. This album is like the Abbey Road. <laughs> I think of albums just to be wonder. Um, Abbey and- Road, Sgt. Pepper's, or fucking The Wall, like OK Computer. Like this is this, this is, is the goat in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, this is like my my and a lot of people's favorite of all Stevie Wonder's. So this is it. Every, we're at the end. Yeah, yeah we're at the it. end. This is this it? Every, Songs in the key of life. Every song is my almost my favorite on this, and it's like every song that comes on 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 both of the track like. Yeah, the final one because I have it on vinyl. You actually already accidentally answered the question, which was which is the best. It's a trick question. They're all fucking great. They're all great, and there I are no that. deep cuts. They're all singles. I um, <laughs> they're all great. He could have picked any of these to be singles. So yeah, he could have. And I bought this record actually. I have it now, but I bought it for JD because he didn't have it, and I didn't have a really much. I didn't really have a record player at the time anymore, so I bought it for him, and I was like. Anybody who collects records, it's a blasphemy. I said, if you don't have this in your record collection, you everybody has to have this. I don't care if you're a Stevie Wonder fan or not. And um, yeah, he was thrilled. And now I have it, you know, and I've bought it also for other people as like a gift if they didn't have it. Because it is just and I've introduced a lot of my old roommates like, oh, my God, the a lot of them like the first on the record. They like the first like eight first eight, 10 songs some i hear a lot of people don't like as much the last 10 songs i actually love them all the same they're all different for various reasons i was like i can't really can't really pick one like i love as maybe that if i had to as might be my favorite song on the whole album that i'll listen to that i'll just go straight to maybe i cannot i can't pick one i can't pick a favorite they're all it's singles ha- to that's me what, it's hard with that's why i love it's, it's them so thriller, much it's, like, it's yeah it's like it's just one of those albums like it's yeah. it's perfect. Mm-hmm. So that's that's I'm I'm glad we I'm glad we uh, arrived at cuz we were going to talk about our favorite album of these mm-hmm. five albums and we just happened to the feel one. the same way. Yeah, yeah, Songs in the Key of Life. I I would argue that of these five albums this is truly the magnum opus because the reason I like it not only for the obvious and me already gushing about the fact that I love all the out al- the songs on the album, mm-hmm. you know, um, feeling that they're all singles. I actually feel like it takes all the best parts of the previous four albums. And so like songwriting production, the use of other session musicians, you know, this is the first time he used a lot of other musicians. I think it clocks in at about one thirty, like fellow mm-hmm. musicians. Cause he has, complete choir sections he has harmonies you know it's just it's everything about the past four albums done perfectly all together you could tell he poured everything into it not that he didn't with the other ones yeah it was just that extra little mm, oomph you know that extra little thing that really solidified it to to yeah he put i think that is perfectly put that it's not not that the other ones are lacking it's just that God, he put his whole soul into this one. It's beautiful. That's why I love Stevie. It's like you can't you can't deny that he's he's one talented motherfucker. <laughs> and <laughs> one talented music, mofo. I'm so happy he's still alive. Just stick around a little longer. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Don't don't hold the tears back because we need to tie a bow on this beat and tell the good people why should you study the works of Stevie Wonder, specifically these five albums? I to study or listen to. If you 
in any part of your human psyche are feeling a lull and you want to get in tune with the, the diverse mass of what goes on inside of us emotionally, you should listen to Stevie Wonder. If you want to feel better, if you want to feel sad, if you want to be in tune with, if you're feeling apathy or anything, or you want to be in tune with the world again, he's kind of like the voice for that. He really does come from like a different, like another planet. He really is from Saturn. He's kind of like, an alien. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that if you want to educate yourself in the vast array, um, is that the right word? Vas, uh, a mass array, vast array of that classical yeah. funk soul music. This is kind of where you should start, I think. That's why we use the golden years because he is the gold standard. There you have it, folks. Stevie Wonder, 1972 to 1976. From top to bottom, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank my guest, Miss Alexandra Parsons. But before we go, you know we got a little extra for you, a little cherry on top for that Sunday with what we call the Gem of the Week. If you're new to the show and don't know what the Gem of the Week is, it's something we like to talk about here at the end of our shows that just doesn't always fit into the scheme of the topic. But it's something on our radar in the last day, maybe last week, maybe last month. But we want to give it to you guys so you guys can dig deeper now before we talk about the gyms we need to talk about their sponsor today's gyms are brought to you by zencaster zencaster is our go-to tool for remote podcast recordings what's great is that you can record separate audio and video tracks and it's all backed up on a secured cloud so you never lose your hard work even better it's easy to use and there's nothing to download so go to zen.ai that's z-e-n.ai slash art of the beholder or just use promo code art of the beholder and get 30 percent off your first three months with the pro account now back to the gyms. So mine is musical. It's a mm. um, it's a collaboration of two artists that most people will have no idea who they are, but I'm gonna, I'm going to bring you to their attention. It's Sam Precop and John McIntyre. These are electronic artists that wrote an album together called Sons of. Now, if you see two cats on the cover of that album, you're in the right place. So Sons Of <laughs> is an electronic classical suite of four tracks, but feels like 10 to 12 tracks. And it's everything that makes electronica and techno amazing. Uh, mine's a show. So I watched Shadow and Bone on Netflix. It's really fun fantasy. I believe it was a book. Um, I rewatched the first season and the second season just came out. Um, I've watched a couple of the first episodes. So... There's a lot of great shows right now, but a lot of people like are watching Ted Lasso and like, um, like, like and some too. other. I love Ted Lasso. <laughs> no, I love Ted yeah. Lasso. That came out, and I'm shrinking's really good. But Shadow and Bone's fun. It's like um, dark and light, very similar, a little like magical power stuff. It's fun, and it's a good escape uh, if you want to watch something like that. So that's my little gem of the week that I've been. Ooh, gem of the. I like. It. I would definitely like. We recommend if you haven't seen season one, watch it. And then that way it's nice because it goes right into season two really nicely. Ooh, okay. All right. And how can the good people get a hold of you if they ever want to take advantage of any of your services? Alexandra underscore Parsons at Instagram. Or you can go Alexandra Parsons designs at gmail.com. You can always email me. 
And um, yeah, alexandraparsons.com if you want to see my portfolio work. And uh, and if you like that, guys, you can reach out to us at NovaDayProductions.com. You can also follow us at underscore Novo underscore Day and Days to E and at Novaday Media. Don't forget to like, subscribe, do all the things. And if you'd like to be on the show, you can reach out to us at NovaDayMedia at gmail.com. And until next time, we'll see you in the next one. So be good to each other. And as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions, created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media, at Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company, Facebook.com slash Aco Music 123, Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J-E-S-T-U-S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved. He... <laughs> He told me, like, I went, I know, I just, whatever. I'll have to cut that out. I don't know if we can leave that one in. You can, you you uh, can. Yeah, keep going, keep going. Cut that out. Holy shit.